There's been a lot of conversation in church circles lately around a topic of deconstruction. It's the taking apart or deconstructing of your faith. And if you haven't heard this phrase before, it's kind of a process people go through that involves asking a lot of questions about why we've done things a certain way or what we believe exactly or why we might exclude some people and include others or why there aren't women or people of color in leadership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, some churches are talking about deconstruction lately like it's a bad thing, like people who are deconstructing their faith are somehow defective or that it means their faith is gone and God doesn't love them anymore. People who are doing this kind of deconstruction right now are being ostracized and kicked out of church communities that once welcomed them, and they are regularly hearing from pulpits that they are less than and just wrong, simply because they are asking questions or wondering what they learn about Jesus, why it doesn't match up with what's happening inside their church. Many who are deconstructing their faith right now are looking at their church and they are walking away because they can't see and don't hear the core of the gospel there anymore, if they ever did. In general, people walking away from church are not walking away from God or their faith, but away from institutions and traditions that uphold systems and people that have little to do with who God is and even less to do with the core of the gospel. I want to stand up here today and say clearly that deconstructing is valuable and important work. Demonizing deconstruction is to miss the point entirely when it is simply the active work of looking objectively at every part and parcel of the life of faith and deciding what is essential. Now, this is going to get me in trouble with some, uh, some people in, in the world if this sermon makes it out there. This is what Jesus is doing today. And yes, I said it and I stand by it. Jesus was teaching deconstruction. It's not a bad thing. In fact, I will argue it is essential. Now, Jesus and his disciples had just come from across the Sea of Galilee. They had healed and fed people. The, the feeding miracle we've spent five weeks in is what we've just left. So miracle upon miracle, feeding and healing. There were crowds following Jesus everywhere that he went. Now, some Pharisees and scribes, the church leaders, joined the crowd kind of observing what was happening, and they noticed that the disciples weren't washing their hands before they ate. So they brought it up to Jesus. Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, they said. Now, in this day and age, I want to be very clear, Jesus is not, Jesus is not recommending not washing hands. That's not what this is about. Everybody keep washing your hands. I think we can all agree on that point. But Jesus' response was not to say washing hands is bad, but that he quotes Isaiah to the Pharisees, saying, Isaiah was right to call you hypocrites when you say the right things, but your hearts are far from God. And then in case they don't understand the reference, he makes it abundantly clear and rephrases it by saying, you've abandoned the commandment of God and are holding to human tradition. 
Y'all know I love sassy Jesus. He's my favorite. This is him at peak sassy Jesus right here. There was no law that said one had to wash hands in this scenario or all the things that you purchase, pots and pans and the list that Mark gives. There was no law. It was just how it had always been done. Again, he's not advocating not washing hands, but instead his words push back on the deeply entrenched traditions and questions if the Pharisees are focused on the right thing. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. When Jesus says this, the next question many of us ask is, what's the difference? What's the commandment of God? What's human tradition. This is what I mean when I say Jesus is teaching us how to deconstruct our faith. You pick up a part of your faith and you hold it up and you say, is this the commandment of God or is it just tradition? Martin Luther did this too. He used another fun churchy word called adiaphora. It means indifferent things. It's a phrase Luther used to mark things that weren't expressly commanded or forbidden in scripture. An example might be an alb or a pyramid or the kind of music that is sung or if there are screens or hymnals being used. If kids who hold out their hands for a wafer without taking the communion class first can receive communion. If we sing Silent Night on Christmas Eve or Christ the Lord is Risen Today at Easter, I know it's too close to home for me. Those two things feel like they are a requirement by scripture? It's not, unfortunately. These things, these end up being things we love to have opinions on and maybe even fight about that do not matter to God, even if they really, really matter to us. I want to say tradition is not bad. Having these things is not bad. I would not feel like it was Christmas if we didn't sing Silent Night on Christmas. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Trust me. But I truly, honestly don't think God cares one bit if I wear an alb or a collar. I don't think God cares if we use screens or hymnals or what we wear when we walk into worship. And at this moment in the gospel, Jesus is saying that God doesn't care if the disciples are eating without washing their hands because the reason the Pharisees use is because that's the way we've always done it. That's how it's supposed to go. This morning, Jesus asks the disciples, the Pharisees, the scribes, and us to recommit daily, even, to the hard work of being people of God in the world. The commandment of God that he speaks of should be obvious to all of us, but if it's not, it means love God, love others. Love God, love your neighbor. This is the commandment of God differentiating between what is God's and what is human tradition is the work we are called to do in the world. And this is just deconstruction. Over and over and over again, we hold up the pieces of our faith and our life and we ask, what's the most important thing? The commandment of God is and always has been to love God and love others. So in all things, our call is to ask these questions through the lens of this command. Love God. 
love others. Now, in case you're feeling overwhelmed by this work, this call to do this work in the world, hear me when I say we know how to do this already. We have been doing this for the last year and a half, not just in our faith, but in our lives as well. We have been sifting through the pieces of what makes church, church, and faith, faith, and what makes family, family, and friends, friends, what makes work, work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've had to. And we've learned some things. We've learned in real time just what Jesus is talking about here. We've learned what is human tradition and what is the command of God. When the pandemic made gathering together in the same physical place impossible, we learned that while we really like gathering together in the same space, it's not required. When we shared communion over screens and over the internet, we learned the communion table is so much bigger than the one up here. We filled cars and vans and SUVs with supplies and food more than once because we learned that caring for our neighbors matters even more during a pandemic than less. We put on masks even though we don't want to and even though it's not convenient, but as my own daughter said just last week, it's the right thing to do to love our neighbor. If an 11-year-old can say it, then grown-ups can too, by the way. We learned how to say hi in the comments and give online. We learned that small weddings and backyards are just as meaningful and powerful and holy as the big parties at fancy venues. We learned how much we value our relationships and how checking in, a simple act of checking in, can be a powerful gift we give one another. We learned how to work at home, whether we learned that we love it or hate it. We learned, essentially, how to deconstruct our whole lives, holding each piece and asking over and over, what's the most important thing? These last 18 months, we've held on to some things, and we've let some things go. We were creative and innovative and adaptable in beautiful and inspiring ways. And now we're at a crossroads. A lot of the world is asking us to go back. Let's go back to the way we've always done it. We used to do it this way, so we have to do it that way again. And I wonder, does it? What might happen if we, as the church, modeled this active work of deconstruction together, still? What if we were the place where people could go to ask over and over again, what matters? To ask over and over again, is this loving God or loving others? What if we were the place that modeled letting what is human tradition be put in the place where it belongs? Deconstruction is beautiful. It's uncomfortable and it's unknown. And yes, sometimes it involves a lot of change. I do not like change. I have said this before. You can have a conversation with my husband about how little I like change lately. <laughs> but it is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
She is bursting through the doors of our lives and our hearts and our churches, and she is blowing around a bit to see what can be stripped away and what can be left at the core. This morning, Jesus pushes back on the Pharisees, the religious insiders, the elite and the powerful about how they do religion. If we were to continue on in Mark's gospel, he tells them what makes a person clean or good isn't how much they wash their hands or do it the way the tradition has always done it, but by how they are loving God and loving others. Author and regular columnist Debbie Thomas asked some questions in her column this week, and I'd like us to think about them together and on your own as we hear this next song. She writes, what can we do? How do we discern whether our way of doing religion or life is life-giving or not? Jesus gives his listeners this advice. Notice what comes out of you. Notice what fruit your adherence to tradition bears. Does your version of holiness lead to hospitality, to inclusion, to freedom? Does it cause your heart to open wide with compassion? Does it lead other people to feel welcomed and loved at God's table? Does it make you brave and creative and joyful? Does it prepare your mind and body for a God who is always doing something fresh and new? Or does it make you small, and stingy, fearful, and suspicious, withholding and judgmental. Like everything else Jesus offers us, his confrontation with the Pharisees is an invitation. It's an invitation to consider what is really sacred in our lives. It's an invitation to go deeper, past lip service, past tradition, past purity, past piety. It's an invitation to practice what's this week's the epistle, the letter of Paul this week, calls pure religion. Let's not be so eager to go back to the way things were that we miss where God is moving us now. Let's recommit this morning to be a community of faith working together and moving together where God wants us to go. Let us not be afraid of what God is creating or what God is asking us to leave behind to get to where we are being called to go. It is holy, beautiful work. And God is in it with us. And we are in it together. Amen. Uh, that last verse, the God, the God who called me here will be forever mine. I just want to say, there are a lot of people struggling right now. We all know it. We all see it. We all hear it. We've, we've, we've got Facebook. We've got the internet. We've got texts. We know how our people, our friends are doing. We know that things are not great in the world and around us. And so I just want to say that when you struggle, when you doubt, when you aren't sure what to think about God, when you're like, listen, I don't know how I feel about God right now. This, this isn't my jam. I'm, I'm not sure where God is. I don't see God. Uh, that's just a part of this faith that we live together, right? We, we do this together because then some of us can struggle and the rest of us can hold them up. 
We do this together because we can look at somebody and say, God loves you when you doubt. God loves you when you struggle. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. You are loved. That is what we believe. That is what we stand on. That God says you are forever mine. You will be forever God's. And so we take that promise into a very challenging and difficult world. We take that promise and hold it close, knowing we are loved when we struggle, when we doubt, when we grieve, knowing that God goes with us. So we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.